Today's podcast is brought to you by the Face Value Course, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course. Have you been frustrated trying to draw portraits in colored pencil? Do you want to draw people confidently and accurately, but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're just tired of copying another artist's line drawing. I get it. The Face Value course, now in its fourth year, will give you the tools you need to create your own original portraits. You'll be given a step-by-step system for independent decision-making, bite-sized exercises, and live weekly office hours interaction to keep you accountable. Enrollment for the course is still open, and there's still time for you to join the 2021 cohort. Just go to the show notes for the link before enrollment closes. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UR Premium Sanded Paper. What makes it different from other sanded papers? One thing is the way that the grain is applied to the paper. There is an electrostatic charge that pulls the grain up towards the paper and is applied from the bottom up. Why does that matter? Because it's an even distribution of the grain to the paper. And so you can have very fine grains like an 800 grade on the paper, a very velvety kind of touch to the paper. If you've never tried UART sanded paper before, then go over to the show notes, click on the link, and there are seven different grades to choose from. It comes in a beige and a dark, comes in sheets, pads, rolled and mounted boards. And we thank UART sanded paper for their support of the Colored Pencil Podcast. We also get support from Amazon Music Unlimited, and we're talking about more than just a music service here, guys. For example, you can stream the Color Pencil podcast on your Amazon Echo device through Amazon Music. So it features 70 million songs and thousands of expert program playlists and stations. All of this is available ad-free. So to activate that free trial, just go to getamazonmusic.com slash sharp welcome to sharpened artist a colored pencil podcast weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much Hey there, my name is John Middick of sharpenedartist.com. Welcome back to the show. This is the Colored Pencil Podcast. I am so excited to welcome my guest today. I'm talking with Todd Grossbeck. Todd, how are you today? I am well, John. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing well. So, Todd, you're, you are not primarily a colored pencil artist, right? You don't no, really use not. colored pencil too much? Okay. So we're going to talk about what you do, what kind of art you do create. And I want to start, though, like we do with every interview, and I want to talk about origins for just a moment. Oh, you you have a BFA, right, if I understood yeah, I that do. correctly? You went to yes. art school. Okay. So you're primarily an illustrator, but... I was drawn to your artwork because I saw a lot of sketches and then I understood that you maintain sketchbooks. And so I was really intrigued by that. And I do want to talk about that before we do that. What, so what got you started and interested in illustration? Were you always uh, interested in art? Tell us the origin here. Okay. I grew up in New Jersey from a, a young age, I started draw, drawing. I mean, I the, okay. my earliest memory of drawing was 
being jealous of my sister when I was like four that she could color better than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was like a thing, you know. So, yeah, I started drawing really like really being into it at about the age of six, like just being fascinated with it. So and really okay. kind of obs- obsessed with it. And then yeah. from there, my mother signed me up for a couple of a couple of lessons with a woman that gave art lessons to to people. And mm. and then it got really serious. I was 15 or 16, and I started drawing live models. I was like this kid, and oh, wow. everybody else was an adult. You know, in this at yeah. night, it was like Wednesday nights in town, and it was this art association, and they had live models. And I would go and draw, and I still how remember. Did, how like, did you get that? How did you get that opportunity to do that? Uh, my mother found out about it, oh, and wow. yeah, it was just it was it, it was. It's funny because I think like everybody else in school, they were like, you know, they're in, in band or on a team shooting basketball, and and, and there's me right. you know, draw, drawing nude models on Wednesday nights in town, and. Then, and that was, and I had no, like, it, it wasn't a class. It was just a group of artists that would get together and draw. So I okay. didn't really have, yeah. I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have any instruction at that point. It was just kind of a, like an open accepted. studio kind of thing. It, exact, exactly. And, and those are yeah. really, really great things. I mean, mm-hmm. just, oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So then I started the School of Visual Arts in New York City. And that was, Back when art school was affordable, you could pay for a private art school. I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. It was it was twelve hundred dollars a semester, John. Wow. Uh, yeah, when I started, it was nine hundred, wow. and then I got I got upset. They they bumped it up to twelve hundred a semester. So over the summer, you know, I could save money and 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 go to college. You know, it was it was yeah. great. And I, yeah. I commuted into and it was and the School of Visual Arts is a is a wonderful art school. Right. And it was a really, I mean, that was a really important thing for me because being at that school, uh, there were foundation classes, six hour drawing classes, six hour painting classes, uh, but then there was all, there was philosophy, um, history, mm. writing, mm-hmm. all kinds of anthropology, all kinds of things uh, mm-hmm. wrapped into this art school. Mm-hmm. And that, I was thinking about that a lot lately because so much of art is about thinking and processing life around you. And mm-hmm. that was a, a good thing to go to, go to college and, and really be immersed in that environment, particularly in New York city where you know, we, we go into museums and go to lectures yeah. and, and, and meet like real people you know real artists uh, right right yeah like people like Andy warhol were hanging out so it was it was well, right the, i mean you're right in the heart of it right there so yeah very cool so yeah so that was it was critical um you know mm-hmm. a critical thing and then of course being a a young guy you know i wasn't sure you, know, you go into it i knew i wanted to be an artist but going in it was like okay i'm here where's this going you know what's going to happen to me Am I going to be a photographer? Am I going to, you know, whatever? Because just did, so did much you fun. have any friends that did the same thing? I mean, did like from oh, high yeah. school? Did anybody else? Okay, um, okay. Not, well, I from my school, 
I didn't really know anybody that went away to art school. My one okay. friend that showed up, you know, that was he was in theater in, in New York City. But then mm. my the the group of friends that I made in New York, they were a lot of them went to the school of high school of art and design. They were from all over the city, and so it okay. was just yeah, it was just a huge group of talented people that were yeah. They were either fine artists, cartoonists, photographers. A lot of the guys from in the Mad Magazine comic world taught at my school. Ah. So it was a oh, real wow. variety. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And then filmmakers. I mean, there were film people. Wow. Uh, we, we would go to school and like Terry Gilliam showed up one day to, to give a, a talk <laughs> on a film. So it was just, you know, it was it was incredible. It was very, and yeah. so you take all that and you, you, know, you leave and then it's like, okay, I've got all this great experience. And then the yeah. hard part comes when you get out of school and try and, and, and earn a paycheck. And that's where the, so what, so what did you, yeah, what did you try? I mean, you, you said you thought about photography. What, what did you, okay. I mean, you're immersed in so many different right. disciplines and yeah. so it got your wheels to turn in, I guess. And then what happened? Well, so yeah, so that's that's like the hardest part. It was like, okay, what am I going to do with all this? And yeah. do I want to be in? And so I kind of started going towards being an illustrator, okay, and graphic designer, sort of a hybrid career, I guess. But you had to have a, a portfolio at the end of the end of school, uh -huh. like kind of a, okay. a direction, you, and meet with an advisor and kind of help you steer towards whatever it is you wanted to do. And, and, and that was, that was pretty exciting. I remember the Disney folks came to school and, oh, and wow. just figuring, yeah, figuring out what to do. Yeah. And yeah. so I came out of it with a portfolio, but then again, a portfolio at that point is very rudimentary and you learn really quickly that you take that portfolio to a magazine or like Arista records or a place like that. Because this, this, again, this is 1979. There's no internet. Okay. You have a, a, a phone on the wall in the kitchen and mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully an answering machine and you pester people and you learn real quick that you get rejected and, and all the time. It's, it's very, mm -hmm. at that point it was very, very difficult. Yeah. And, and not so early eighties, late seventies, like okay, you know, late seventies, late seventies. And then into 1980, you know, still no uh -huh. internet. You're walking around and, and no cell phones. You have to spend a lot of time and money going into the city, spending time to uh, find someone that can shoot your artwork with a camera, make yeah. a transparency of it. You get a book together. You have a book and you you go in the city, you leave it with somebody. Hopefully they look at it in one right. day or look at it at all. And then the other, I, and I, I was sharing one of my buddies from school. We were talking about this. The first place I remember going to, I think I was still in school, school at the time, was I went to Field and Stream Magazine. Oh, and I remember direct, Yeah, right? So mm -hmm. I went up I went up in this, this building, and the art director, and I go in to see this guy. I still remember it, sitting across the desk. <clears> I handed <throat> my my portfolio, and I spent a lot of time and, and, and money getting transparencies made, these big, these 8 by 10 color transparencies. Right. And so he looks at my book, a dozen pieces, and he takes maybe 
15 seconds at most looking at my portfolio. Hands it back to me and says, don't ever show this to anybody. What? What? Yeah. Oh yeah, what? yeah, yeah. So, so, so did oh, yeah. it? Uh, did that crush you? I mean, what were you thinking at that point? I mean, I- I'm guessing when you went there, you had hopes of becoming an illustrator, maybe right. graphic layout or something like that. Anything. And so you had some high hope. Okay, anything, but you had some high hopes, and you're like, "Here's my work. Here's the best of what I've been able to do," and. And then you have somebody that just comes back and says that. What? Yeah. What? What happened? How old were you? Like nineteen? Oh, 21, no, I was, something. No, I was like twenty. Twenty-two. Like 21. Yeah. Twenty-one. Young guy. And what? Yeah. So what? What was that like? Well, so you, at that time I was young, and you hold these these art directors in high esteem. But did the work relate to what would be expected of you if you were an illustrator for Field and Stream? It could have. I mean, because they use all kinds of illustrations, right? I mean, you know, draw, you know, draw this, uh, draw this grizzly bear. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anything like I went to Penguin Books and again, it's more polite rejection. (laughs) I went to a, a record company and then, and again, you know, it's like you talk to the art director and the art director was a, somebody from school and again like the, the the experience of just doing that like you know going into this beautiful building in new york you know going past the yeah. security guard with bagel crumbs down his chest and you go in and sit in the <laughs> room for yeah right and then you wait for a half an hour to talk to the art director and, and, he, and he makes nice chit chat and then yeah again it, it, it was so hard because it was so easy to fall off people's radar because there's no email yeah. you have to like you have to get on the phone it's really hard to get through and it's really easy for people to dodge you at that point. Um, oh yeah. So but what, I got to tell you in my twenties, if somebody had told me that it would have crushed me to, just to be honest about it. I mean, it, it really would have, yeah. and I probably would have gone and, you know, worked at a restaurant or something to be honest. Well, <laughs> you know, I got out of school and my mother says, okay, great. You're out of school. Uh, you got a, you know, I got a year to, you know, grow wings and, and fly. So, <laughs> right. yeah, you know, like we're okay. <laughs> this relationship, I mean, it's not over, but you're, you're moving on. Yeah. You become either a broom pilot or you work at a convenience store. You, you do whatever you have to do. Yeah. And that's, you know, the real world kind of merges with your, your dreams and you figure yeah, out yeah. W- what becomes important and there's all mm-hmm. this stuff that blends into your into your life. And that's where that's what happens to everybody. And so the dream can quickly fall away and you start working right. as doing some other job. Yeah. Whatever it is, truck driver, plumber, insurance salesman, yeah. um, whatever. You you just start because you have to right. make a living and then you get married and have a family. So oh, sure. So keeping the the dream alive and drawing and 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 doing all those things is that what you did? Yeah, you you just you yeah. you I didn't become a plumber, but <laughs> but you you work <laughs> you, you you work as best you can, find the jobs yeah. as best you can. The like the first illustration job I got was working for a uh, U.S. equestrian team. They needed they had this big big event, and they needed all of their all these 
outdoor locations drawn um and mm-hmm. they didn't have anybody to do it and you know i came along and it's like oh i was teaching art at a private school back then and they were i think the family was somehow connected to the private school and they knew you know okay there's the art teacher talk to him so i met with the people and got the job and it was yeah. fun you know yeah very cool spending weeks yeah. outdoors drawing no, no, we skip, we skip something here, Todd. Oh, <laughs> so oh sorry. Take it back for just a second. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we went from rejection from field and stream. So, how did we go from there? And then your teaching art. What what happened there? Oh gosh, I think that's one of the things where you, you know, people know that you're an artist. They're looking for someone that can teach, and you go in. And again, I think a lot of times people don't if they're not an artist, they really don't know what an artist does or know about process. They just, Oh, you're an artist. Therefore you can do these things. And you, Oh, you can probably teach. So, and again, we're talking, this is probably 1980 at this point. And okay. Okay. It's a private, it's a private school. There's no certification. It's just like, Oh, if you're really, Oh wow. He's a really good artist. Like I love his artwork. I think I'd work in a gallery at that point. And I should say I had work in a gallery, at the end of college. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I had a, so uh, the Forbes family bought some of my artwork. They have like the, oh. at, at, at the time they had like the 10th biggest art collection in the world. So, wow. yeah, yeah. So I got into the school, I think through the gallery because I was just the young guy. They're looking uh-huh. for a youthful person to work with these kids. It was a real swank private school. And, uh, there you go. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you, all right, I, I get the impression that you were never sitting around twiddling your thumbs or sitting on your hands. You were, you were pounding the pavement, you were doing the work and you were working on your own artwork the entire time. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. You yeah, weren't yeah. sitting around feeling sorry for yourself. Okay. That, that, that's awesome. So how long did you teach at that school? Gosh, I did that a year. Okay. I did it a I did it a year. I didn't really like it very much. Mm-hmm. It, it got to be tedious. It was part time. I had to work a couple of other jobs. It was sort of prestigious in a way because the school was a really nice school. The, the kids that went there, I mean, they were just the families. It was amazing. What but was it? Like, high school kids or no? Or they junior? were like middle school, middle school, elementary okay. up to middle school. Um, okay. Yeah. And I, I, I just didn't like it. And I, and I also learned that I'm not, you know, I, I learned to be much better with kids after I got my own kids, but it was, it was, it, it was a, it was a pretty hard job. And for the pay yeah. to me, it wasn't, it wasn't so great. So I did it for a year. Ah, okay. And then, okay. Uh, but I actually, yeah. Yeah. So I've taught since then, but really limited. Mm-hmm. Not very much. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's fast forward then a little bit more and, what so? What did you do mostly in the 1980s? What were you? Okay. What were you doing? Uh, the 1980s, I worked for a design firm. Okay. Again, this is where it's sort of a twisty path where I was worked as a real bread and butter designer guy. I got married, had kids, and that'll so force you if, to do real bread and butter kind of things. <laughs> oh yeah, and 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 I don't re- family. resent. It. Yeah, just yeah, family. So. Yeah. 
I did some, you know, regular work. I've sold suits, yeah. you know, I've okay. done, I've yeah. done a lot of things, but I right. learned, started getting into more of the techie as computers and internet became kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. The hand tools of making graphic design started going away. And then, yeah, because we back, back in the eighties, we were, we were using uh, rapidograph pens, ink, mm-hmm. non-repro blue pencils, cameras. I mean, and you're just working with your hands, gluing stuff mm-hmm. down, illustrating by hand. You know, the 286 PC and Max came in. So you start learning how to use that. And all of a sudden, what took you a day, two days, you could do in an hour and do mm-hmm. really quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that was a lot of seat of the pants learning. I learned yeah. how to use a Macintosh by going into a Kinko's and renting time on one because I didn't, at one point, oh, didn't have so access funny. to them. Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah, like, okay, I'll yeah. rent time on a Mac and learn how to use a, use a Macintosh. Yeah, uh, just, just crazy. You know, any way you, you can, you, you do, you know. Um, right. Let's fast forward a little bit more because I think you've got a fascinating job now, and I want to I want to get to that. So, what happened in between there, and then you know, let's talk about what you're doing now. Okay, late nineties, I got into the yeah. government contracting world, and in DC, okay. after living out west, and and mm. by the way, doing crazy like freelance work out west, doing illustration work for product design for movies. Okay. And, and oh, California? Were you out there? No, 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 Nevada. Oh. I did some TV storyboards. Just you know, nice. Li- okay. Like licensed art, like again, licensed artwork where there was I had to do it all by hand. For I did mm-hmm. it for two two movies, and then but just real like all the color separations by hand. All this like it was all mm-hmm. hard work, hard work. But then so like we moved to DC, the DC area, and um, so I got into the government contracting world. And that's where things became much smoother, easier, Mm. and where I learned that if you're working for a large government agency, if you pay attention, you can steer the work a bit and make it more creative because Lord knows there's not Mm. enough creativity in the government. Um, (laughs) Well, seriously, I worked at the, you know, the NIH, the NIH was like, was, was incredible doing creative work for the NIH, doing illustrations for them. I learned how to get into, or learned about information design and taking dry, dull information and making it very clear and interesting through illustration. Mm. Um, And I took a class from this guy, Edward Tufte. He gives a, he's from Yale and he gives a a class on information design. It was really eye opening that, Mm. wow, you can really do some awesome artwork. Did you know that before you started doing uh, work in uh, government contracts or how did you bridge that gap or was there a gap? There was a period of time during the golden years of the dot-com, the dot-com years in the the 90s. And in D.C., yeah, they're ramping up these contracts and they're pretty much, if you walk into it, go to a job fair, there's a job for you. If you have a pulse, there's a, Mm -hmm. there's a job. And right. So for right. me, I walked in and they didn't have any graphics people. Oh, yo, well, we need a graphics person. And, but they had the ah. vaguest idea of what a graphics person is. So okay. you, uh, you jump on a job, you get in there and there you are. And yeah. clearly you can, you can see, oh yeah, you can see that 
they could really use some creativity. Yeah. They just don't know any better. Jumping from okay. like different agencies because there's so many agencies in DC. So that then, kind of opened up some options it, it, where you it, were exposed really to other. Yeah, if you know how to use like uh, Photoshop and Illustrator, yeah, you can do you can do some amazing stuff, and it looks great. You know, it's not dull and boring. It actually looks nice. <laughs> right, right. You were actually making stat charts and things like that look a little more colorful and look a little more presentable and readable and things like that. I'm I'm presuming and probably even yeah. beyond that, but. Oh yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Led to where I am now. I'm a contractor. Work for the Navy, and I do a lot of artwork for those people. And th- and they're great because they love illustrations. They love mm-hmm. fine art. And uh, there's probably a lot of people that are listening to that and are probably surprised to hear you say that, <laughs> because yeah. it's just not the first thing that I think of. When I think of the Navy, right? I mean, I'm not thinking about the artwork. It's your current job, and how long have you been doing that? How long has it been? Oh, a little over eight years. Wow. Okay. Very cool. So primarily, I mean, you're creating artwork now. You're not. You're not some graphics, fancy charts Uh, or anything. Okay, a little bit of graphics. Okay, a little little bit of a lot of a lot of everything. Uh, I never know what I'm going to get. Some logo work. All kinds of things, really. It's mostly but, digital. Yeah, but then okay, I'll, I've done like charcoal drawings and whatnot. I did one painting that ended up as a big background for this graphic that hangs on the wall there. Ah, but then yeah. I I started bugging them over at the the museum and got my work into their art collection over there at the uh, hmm. the Navy Yard DC. So okay, and that's that place was like. The art collection is huge. I didn't know that yeah, existed. So yeah, well, it's that, not. That's very cool. Yeah, they're moving it. It's not quite open to the public yet, but you go in. It's like the end of um, Citizen Kane, where you go see where Rosebud is. There's just all this artwork. <laughs> yeah. Wow. L- let's talk then about your discipline with creating artwork in sketchbooks. So have you done that your whole adult life, or is it just been something you've been doing more and more recently? I've got artwork from age seven to now collected. Um, But I've always believed in having sketchbooks and drawing in sketchbooks. Why? Because it's a way of thinking. Uh, Drawing Mm -hmm. is thinking. It's thinking. It's like writing in a journal, except it's a drawing. I can look at a sketchbook and many times remember the weather like i'll draw on the subway mm. in the ah, city okay. and i'll remember like uh-huh. oh man that was a i've done this many times where it's been a freezing morning it's 5 30 a.m i'm going through a tunnel drawing somebody and i remember that you know just just by looking at yeah. the drawing and it's also it forces you to not make anything too precious Mm-hmm. And you learn, mm-hmm. you, you, you work on gesture and nobody cares. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to look like the person. It just has to be there. It, it, it doesn't matter yeah. if, it, if it's not a likeness. I mean, who cares? So yeah, um, yeah. it just, it's free me. So that, okay. and, and it's, and it's, it's like throwing a baseball. You just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Your arm's always loose. 
if you only draw when you're going to create some piece to show somebody, then mm-hmm. you're not really ever warmed up. It's too stiff, and maybe the drawing mm-hmm. becomes too polite. But if you if you stay loose and you keep drawing and even doodling, like here's a drawing you can't see it. It's a bicycle derailleur. I mean, I was just like on the phone okay. <laughs> drawing a. You know, it could be anything. Yeah. It's a bicycle derailleur. Right, right. Uh, but it could be it could be anything. It's just a way to. It's like scratching an itch in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I'd recommend to anybody, yeah, don't when you draw, like, don't make it a big production. I mean, and sit down and get all your mm-hmm. stuff together and 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 then start. I mean, it, it, I buy these moleskin mm-hmm. sketchbooks with a real yeah. thick, pa- the, the real thick paper, and um, yeah, just draw in those. And I'll draw on anything really. Also, like just line, even like line paper. But I'll keep these sketchbooks uh-huh. around, and then I kind of, I go, I go, usually have one. I'll go all the way through it, and I'll just start a new one. And mm-hmm. it's a really good visual record of, I guess, progress or or your mm-hmm. year. It's like it's like keeping a written journal except it's pictures. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART Premium premium sanded paper and we thank you art for their support of the color pencil podcast you're a color pencil artist and you've got just about every colored pencil that there is except for that one and you're wondering how this color compares to the actual pencil line that you have Now, some color pencil artists like to create these huge charts. I don't do that. I don't have the patience for it. Well, I've got good news if you're like me. Someone else has created these charts for you. There is a color pencil conversion and comparison chart. Thanks to KarenHallArt.com. This is a 62-page PDF booklet that you could download. And you can get updates as she updates it. She just updated it with the brand new Karen Dosh Luminance Colors. It's got the Derwent Lightfast pencils in there as well. How would you like 20% off? Just go to the show notes or use SharpArt20 at checkout. Now, do you also write, though, as well? Do you take notes inside your sketchbooks? Do any journaling? Okay. But not. Okay. I'm not really a writer. I wish I was a writer, but yeah. I'm not really a, a very good writer. I have friends that are great writers, but I'm not one of them. Um, yeah. Well, you, um, you're talking about how you know it's not going to be shown or seen by anybody. I mean, but you're you are showing quite a few of yours. I mean, I follow you on Instagram, and guys, you you've got to check out Todd's Instagram account. We'll have it linked up in the show notes, but I mean, it's inspiring. I I like just the a simple, a suggestive drawings that you do. I mean, the sketches in particular are just, they're just enough. They're, you're not saying more than you need to say. You're saying just enough. Yeah. And I love that. I, I love how loose and free they are. 
There's just one problem with them. They're not in colored pencil, I don't guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> some of them are, though, aren't right? Are they at all? Or I mean, it looks yes. like maybe it's... I see some blue or something. And some I've of, got, some of I've got a pile of... I actually have um, Derwent watercolor pencils. Okay. Some, Prism, yeah. some Prismacolor, like indigo and black. Okay. I, yeah. I like using colored pencils to to draw with, but not so much exclusively, I guess. Yeah. And also I just bought, hold this up. I bought a, uh, let me read what it says. It's a, there's an artist I saw on Instagram. He uses colored pens. And uh, mm-hmm. so I bought a few of uh, big pens that have a uh, blue, green, black, and red to um, see ah. what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've got a couple drawings. Oh, of, very cool. I, I think with with the pen, ballpoint pen. But I like to mix it up. I'll use a colored pencil, and then I'll use a uh, charcoal pencil. With that, I'll use uh, vine charcoal, which vine. Char- I love mm-hmm. vine charcoal. Vine charcoal is like if you if you don't want to carry around ink, vine charcoal is like having uh, ink. It's it's like it'll put mm. down a watt. It'll put down a wash, mm-hmm. and then you know your thumbs are pre-attached, and you use that to smear it into a lovely wash <laughs> wherever. And I, I'll even use on some of my drawings. I uh, and this is a really stupid, risky behavior, but I'll take I'll do the drawing, and then I, I want to put a background in, and just to make it look like I really don't care, I'll, I'll use a house painting brush to slap the background over top. And I, I like the uh, the randomness of a big fat brush along in the background mm. because mm-hmm. I hate rendering a background and just spending a lot of time rendering it. It's to me it just yeah add just it. is flat. It, well, yeah, yeah, it's flat. It, it it becomes uninteresting. But then if you use right. a, a an odd brush that's like a trim brush from Lowe's. All of a sudden, the background becomes sort of abstract, and it's a little bit more to me. For, for me, it's more interesting, interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. So primarily, I mean, when you're, I guess, not at work, you're sketching, right? Are you doing anything that is not in a sketchbook? Yeah, the latest thing I love is uh, Arches watercolor paper. I use this stuff to uh-huh. hot press, hot press. Okay, on the block. Yeah, yeah. I'll get sheets of paper. But just thick, hot press paper because it can take a beating. This new thing I'm doing, I'll take paper and I'll draw on it with charcoal, and I'll get in there with a brush, like a number six brush, and I'll put. Yeah. If I want something really dark, or I just want to like mix it up, I'll use, I'll use gouache, black or like white gouache, and I'll work on the drawing in that way as well. And. Huh. I even will take a brush, like a wet brush, and I'll brush charcoal, and that kind of gets inky and turns into like an ink, and you get a neat effect that way, too, just by using a a brush on charcoal. Mm -hmm. Nothing I use is is very fancy. The fanciest tool, Mm -hmm. my favorite tool is probably, I got this brass charcoal holder, which I love. It's it's, Oh, wow. It holds a hunk of vine charcoal. And it holds this compressed charcoal that I'll use. The, the, the compressed charcoal is like the nuclear option. When you really need it to matter and make it go, make it go really dark and there's no way back, 
the nuclear options right. and fresh charcoal. So, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. That nearly um, looks like a ruling pin, but it's just a, oh, yeah, a it little does, prong. To, yeah. 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 yeah it's just a, it's a tube of brass with slits on both ends so cool. and rings, and you pull it tight. And nice. It's a, it's a lovely tool. Yeah, I use that. And then my other go-to is probably this ancient Alvin pencil I've had for 30 years that you can load okay. up with. Yeah. You can load it up with uh, soft lead or hard lead. And it's, uh-huh. got a thick, it's got a thicker lead than, than most pencils. I, use, hmm. I carry this everywhere. So, yeah. One thing I started doing very recently, Cesar Santos... He's an artist. He's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, started seeing where he'll do a drawing in charcoal. Then he gessos it. He'll go over it uh, on paper. He'll, he'll go over it with clear gesso and spray it first. got to fix the drawing so it doesn't smear. Mm-hmm. And then put clear gesso over it so it doesn't smear. Yeah. Then go over that with oil paint. And I've got, I think, one piece, one or two pieces on my Instagram where I've done that. And what's beautiful really? about that is you, you have the effect of oil paint you see the drawing kind of blending through or blending around the edge. So you have like this beautiful effect of line work. And then all of a sudden you go into this sort of Baroque oil paint kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that's, you know, so I I love getting out of one specific, I used to do a lot of oil painting, a lot of acrylic. Actually, I used to do like real photorealistic uh, acrylic work. My kids were really little. We were living in Vegas, mm-hmm. and everything was like super photorealistic. And I just just got sick of working so tight, and then switched yeah. over to oils. And then oils was my primary medium for a long time, and then I kind of went back into just sketchbooks. So I'm trying to get kind ah. of balance it out now with more oil paint because I, I love oil paints. They're just wonderful. Well. One thing that's interesting to know, I didn't I didn't know that about you, but one thing that is clear to me when I look at your work, you like a very, I mean, even if you're using color, you're still using a very limited palette. Yeah. Almost to the point yeah. of most of it is monochromatic, it seems like. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some exceptions here. I see here and there. I see some oil paintings here on your yeah, site but it's it's incredible your sense of anatomy with portraiture is technically is just so well done joy to to look at all this that's from like spending hours and hours and hours and hours in art school with a yeah. taskmaster professor it kind of takes that though right i mean well, to get well, it in your head yeah so the that's, that was i was lucky because i had two instructors in school who were, they were like old school Chicago Art Institute people that uh-huh. really knew anatomy really well. And the best you could ever hope for your first semester was getting a C. <laughs> you know, they, they, you know, they weren't giving out A's. And, and they just would, you know, they were nice, but they were real serious about it. And mm-hmm. there was no messing around. You know, you, you really had to get it right. The hips mm-hmm. right. You had to, you know, all that stuff and hands oh my god you know so you know i put my ten thousand hours into that so 
And that's, again, that's why you keep a sketchbook because the one thing mm-hmm. I was warned about from one of my instructors in college was a lot of kids would leave school and then they wouldn't draw. <laughs> they wouldn't do anything. And so the skills would just kind of melt away. So yeah. Yeah. Drawing was, you know, it's just always drawing was important or is important. Yeah. Yeah. We keep, keep that, that skill honed and sharp, right? I mean, you've got, you've got to do that. Um, well, I mean, it's just like anything else. I mean, you don't use something in your body, uh, skills the same way for, to a large extent, it, things atrophy, right? If you don't use yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then also by carrying a sketchbook and because it doesn't, there's no consequence to any of this. I mean, you're doing it for yourself. Right. You for you, you work on a drawing and you, you can pick it up later. And then when you, the person's not there anymore, the subject subject isn't there anymore. You can invent, you can go back and yeah. really, really like lean into it and push right, it right. and make it, again because it doesn't matter you can make that person you can add to them you can you know do whatever you want yeah yeah it's yeah so you use your imagination you've got some pandemic art in here someone wearing a mask the sense of lighting on a lot of the portraits it suggests a, a mood and a a particular feeling and emotion that's being uh, conveyed or captured here. Is there something else other than like the limited palette? Is there something else that you feel like is consistent in your work? And how would you describe your work to people okay. that, you know, or maybe just listening right now? Well, so you, you've brought up Grisaille method, right? Or you're yeah, off, yeah. 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 So I start right, off right. that way. When the paintings are all, you know, they're monochromatic. Right. Well, here's the thing. So I'll go with a monochromatic, like, oh, I don't know, burnt umber, ultramarine blue, mix it together mm-hmm. to like a dark, not black, but almost black, and just mm-hmm. rough in the dark stuff, you know, all the way. Yeah. Then start pulling yeah. out white. And then ah. you have your value, your values, and then go in with the colors and start adding color and try to get the, and, and the other thing about color is depending on what it's sitting next to affects how that color will look. So, and no, with, sure. port- right. with portraits, particularly and eyes, like if you look at the, the whites of the eyes, they're not mm-hmm. white, you know, a lot of times they're Mm-mm. quite, quite very dark, mm-hmm. but they still look again, it's relationships all over the, all over the artwork. So, Right. The one thing I learned a long time ago, and again, this goes back to the drawing, the drawing uh, studio, was that uh-huh. they said, you know, I still remember the professor would say, look, don't draw like you're pulling down a window shade. Don't put in all the polish up top and leave it empty on the bottom. You, you draw the whole thing. You know, don't whole start thing. off and build yeah, it up. The whole thing. Same don't, time. Don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't like put in super detail, you know, and then just. Yeah work your way down like you're pulling down a window shade you do you, you work the entire piece yeah because then yeah. you really have an idea of what's going on everywhere and then the relationships mm-hmm. kind of fall into place when you you see the big picture you know mm-hmm. because it's like if you put on the polish at the very beginning yeah you know where are you going to go it can look kind of awkward so 
Yeah. Th- that's that resonates with me a lot because I I kind of draw in that way. There are a lot of you know I, I fill in the blank here on hyperrealism or photorealism, you know whatever term you want to use with regard to color pencil artists that work in these little tiny sections, you know, and they'll build up this yeah. little portion of the eye and then maybe the nose and then part of the mouth and the other part of the mouth and things like that. And, and they, they violate that particular principle. They polish it all uh, in little tiny sections at yeah. a time. I wouldn't be able to work that way because I don't think like that. And my brain doesn't think in that way. But I think carrying a sketchbook, though, there's a lot of wisdom probably in understanding that, okay, I'm capturing this. I'm I'm going to build this up all at the same time, and it's not precious. I'm able to see the entire subject and then build that up later if if I choose to. I guess that's what you're doing, right? right? You're yeah. You're not you're not saying every time you're going to do that. I mean, some of yours probably just remain as a monochromatic kind of uh, drawing, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. It's sometimes I'll I'll take a sketch and I'll bring it home and I'll work on it. And I'll add color to it. It just sort of depends. What is it that? makes you think okay this one i want to develop a little bit further what what is that thing you're looking for um okay i started a self-portrait over the winter and started ah, working on it yeah cool. but then then but then i was looking i was like it's like oh god i hate looking at myself i put it away i couldn't i was <laughs> like i'm not doing this i can't i can't look at myself yeah. so i did a drawing of a friend's daughter and mm-hmm. That was interesting because I took the photo myself. Mm-hmm. I used a photo. Beautiful kid. Unusual, beautiful kid. And mm-hmm. that was a lot a lot of fun and very interesting to do. I, in fact, I painted that kid twice mm-hmm. because you find people that are really into it. And then, you know, you can kind of run mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. But then I'll see mm-hmm. people. But the thing is, you probably do the same thing. If you're going like to the grocery store, you'll, you'll see something interesting or... or you know, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Or yeah, you know, the best thing is going to. And I did this with my kids for years. I should say both my kids have BFA degrees now. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I would. St- I started taking them to diners when they were really little and drawing on the on the uh-huh. mats and drawing. Yeah, yeah. Flip I over them. That I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a framed placemat drawing upstairs. I was just drawing the house across the street from the pizzeria. So that, yeah, that whole drawing in the diner thing is just, is just wonderful. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. From like the if, time I, my I, kids were young, I did that. It was lovely. Yeah. That's probably my favorite thing ever to do is go to even a waffle house, two o'clock yeah. in the morning and draw stuff. I'll draw the, in fact, I have a, on my website, I think I've got a drawing of a coffee pot. So Yeah. I love that stuff. It's again, it goes back to the, the sketchbook and just, just sketching away and mm-hmm. um, then falling. In, and, and I think too falling in love with, like, if you look at just a line and the way a line is kind of crooked, but it describes the shape and making that as minimal mm-hmm. as possible to convey something is mm-hmm. wonderful. I think that's the one thing I love the most. If, if you have a, a line that, conveys an idea without anything else that's mm. 
that's key. That's hmm. like if you look at like John Singer Sargent's work or you, oh, yeah. or anybody, and you look at like their drawings and what's conveyed in those drawings in a very minimal right, way. Right. It's it's lovely. Are you doing that on your portrait sketches? I, I'm looking at them here. I can see it like on the clothing a little bit. Edges of noses sometimes. I see it there. You're using hatching to create a lot of the gradations and values, it looks like. Just like you know, holding the pencil halfway down, you know, kind of let it, Yeah. And not, not oh, okay. it in my but just like letting it move, going back and forth mm-hmm. and, and just kind of letting the weight of the pencil do the work sometimes. Right, right. But uh, so like this, this young man right here, I'm guessing this yeah. is a young man. I mean, this is very, I, th- this describes exactly what you're talking about to me. Yeah. And I mean, then to you've the got right. suggestive lines everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the right, the same thing. The one to the right, the gentleman with a beard. Yeah. yeah. He, oh, yeah, big fact, time. Especially over yeah, here. I've painted him yeah, a few times. Just a couple lines. As oh, a, wow. a friend of mine, he's a, he's a journalist. And I painted that with just a brush and ink. Oh, wow. Higgins ink and a brush and, mm-hmm. and a, maybe a little bit of pencil here and there. But just really oh, wow. like, yeah. um, but just kind of flat out just going for it. Yeah. But again, I've painted him, I think I've painted him three times. I was supposed to paint him again, actually. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy that one. Yeah. Some of the lines over here, even on this side of the face, on the lit side of the face, very yeah. cool. Oh, thanks. Oh, same kind of thing over the, here. Were you using like subway white? people? Those yeah, are, are all, using, those are all subway. People. Ah, okay. Uh, are you using gouache? Like okay. Some of this, if you, or if you can scroll back to the guy with the headphones with the over yeah, the yeah. hands over his ears. Oh, right. okay. So that is, I think that's Prismacolor pencil, a Sharpie, okay. a Sharpie ah. and, and white ink, maybe. Ah, Again, okay. it okay. was, it was not a lot of, it, that's probably a good example of like, okay, I'm just going to do this use i don't have any black ink i think i did it with a, maybe with a sharpie but again see it, but just, it's a nice balance of values right there very nice well thanks yeah it's and i love again, this how it's dark right here but then oh, really? lighter over here by the shoulder i love that love that and you know again that's just something for my own personal you know it was just like i'm just gonna just do it and right uh, right yeah, and then guy next to him, that was with a, a mm-hmm. funky brush, painting his jacket with mm. just, just a, a funky, like a, a brush I had lying around. And and I love the fact that there's a brush, just a, a brush stroke that describes right there. part of his jacket. Yeah, it's just, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I like this. The white highlight right here on the nose and the forehead. If If you don't stop for a second you might even miss it but it just adds a little something right there to the dimensional form of the face love that very nice i i love this whole idea and if you're listening today i hope you at least walk away with this idea that you know todd is todd's doing this for himself he's he's not 
looking at anything as being just too precious. He's sketching. He doesn't know if he's ever going to show it, I'm guessing. Right, Todd? You're not thinking to well, yourself, okay, well, this is uh, going to be it. This is one that's going to make it to the website. <laughs> I've had, yeah, I've had work in galleries off and on for years, for, mm-hmm. for many years. It's funny about that, too, because galleries have been a way where I've gotten freelance work. In fact, I met somebody... This odd thing. I, I met someone at an art. I was. I did this funky art fair in Vegas, and I didn't sell anything at the art fair. But someone came along, and they owned an airline. <laughs> they wanted me to paint their jet. So uh-huh. I went down to the airport, and they pulled this huge jet <laughs> out onto the tarmac, and they're turning it. You know, and I was like, okay, do I be a jerk and tell them no? Fifteen feet more this way. But they wanted a painting of, of a jet. So, and that was kind of, I mean, it was a straight up illustration job. It wasn't like, oh boy, this is yeah. going to be, I'm going to show this jet. Yeah. yeah. And, and then same thing in another gallery where I, I did some work for a family up in Pittsburgh. They wanted a painting of their old pickup truck, but then I sold a bunch more, of, hmm. a bunch more artwork to them. They, they wanted a bunch more artwork. So I've gotten work that way. I've gotten portrait work mm. that way. Are you currently so, in galleries right now? No, no. no. I, I decided that with my current job and the work I'm doing, I'm, I'm happy enough yeah. doing that. I, I think I'm more driven to do commercial work, John. Mm-hmm. So my latest mm. thing is thinking about doing maybe some, do some commercial illustration work or something. Mm. But, um, mm-hmm. but again, mm-hmm. I kind of have like the job I do, I create work artwork so i've got like this one yeah, big that's, client. that's very cool yeah so i just do like i do the best work i can for myself that i enjoy and uh-huh. share it online i mean i've done magazine work around the time i was married i did uh freelance illustration work like ink work line work that kind of thing um, gotcha this kurt vonnegut and the myth of talent if people google that i think that's mm-hmm. words to live by doing things for the sake of enjoying them and not doing things to do them and not necessarily excel, but just the fact that by playing a guitar drawing, yeah. it makes you, it makes you a more interesting, well-rounded person in life. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, Even if the, you're not it, focused on yeah. improvement per se. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. I like that sentiment uh, a lot. Do you have any advice for somebody who they're inspired now? They've heard that, you know, this is what you do. Creeping on strangers in a subway <laughs> may work for some of us, may not for some of us. Do they know you're drawing them? I just got to ask that. Oh, okay. That's the funny thing. No, they don't. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Okay. Everybody nowadays is looking at their cell phone. And yeah. Everybody's engaged in look together. Yeah, years ago in New York, if you drew in a subway, you you'd get an audience. Now it's uh, everybody. Yeah. Everybody is nobody cares. Nobody knows no, you're there. Nobody. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're looking down. <laughs> yeah, they're all looking at their cell phone. Right. They don't care. I've got. I've I've drawn in an emergency room. Yeah. I've done that. I've drawn they're everywhere. Busy too. <laughs> well, they're they're all busy. You know, and I learned that from in school that emergency room is a great place to draw people the one place where i've drawn is like in the actual when someone is in the emergency room in the back in bed mm-hmm. I've, I've done that from people mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. in the uh, nurse's station and and, and mm-hmm. people being busy helping yeah. people get better right and that's really cool because then you've got all kinds of action going on 
and yeah. you have you have to work quickly. So yeah, that's a little overwhelming too. Now it's something that I talk a lot about to my students is that I encourage everyone to sketch. That's where you learn freehanding skills. That's where you learn value and how to be suggestive and how to, that's where you experiment and play around. Now there's some that never do it, but there's some that are just starting out and they're wanting to start sketching. I'll tell you my problem with it is. If I if I'm trying to do something like you're talking about, where there's a lot of people doing something busy, I don't have enough time to capture what I think I'm going to capture and narrowing that focus. That to me is very difficult to say, Okay, I can't draw everything here. I got to narrow that down to just a little tiny bit. That's difficult for me. Is there any advice you would give someone who is just wanting to get started and just wanting to sketch? so that they can express themselves and go through that uh, thought process like you're talking about. You know, the byproduct, I believe, is that your apprehension of skill increases no matter what it is, like freehanding or the attention to details for the in the right spot and not detail for detail's sake, that kind of thing. Is there any suggestions, though, you have for someone or advice if they're brand new to sketching, use anything you have lying around—a legal pad, okay, a, a pencil. Like I'll use—I love I'll draw on a legal pad any day of the week because it's a mm. consequence-free. I mean, it's 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 already you yeah. already kind of don't care you don't care about it, and right, so right. by having paper, you don't care. It's not. I, I prefer like a line pad over even a blank piece of paper, uh, like a ah. copy paper, because. You, you sort of it's it's doodle ready you know like i think yeah most, yeah yeah it's like it's ready to go and you can doodle <laughs> on it. right and then having you know a, a cheapy pencil like ticonderoga yellow pencil yeah. and then you can be in your car um and mm-hmm. parked anywhere and just find something look at anything like wow can i draw that lamppost uh, mm-hmm. like the lamppost in the corner of the building and just sort of mm-hmm. figure out well, how high does it really go or mm. just inanimate objects that aren't going anywhere mm-hmm. in, in town. Right, um, right. I've done that just parked in town and drawing like a, a part of a street corner just to see ah. if I if I get it right. If the, uh, if, yeah. the win- if the windows line up to the tree across the street or that kind of thing and just right, kind of right, right. see how accurate I can get it. I did. I went away with my wife a year or two ago to Lancaster PA and mm-hmm. she was busy all day at a conference and I had nothing to do. So I, but I had a beautiful view of a cupola outside the window of the hotel. Mm. So I drew that and that and the thing about that too is the light changes. So the, the, the sun's always moving. Yeah. So yeah. it's moving yeah. very slow, but it, in 10 minutes, the light changes. So it's like, okay, right, let, right. Me, let me see if I can get this shape. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if I can kind of get, yeah. So just kind of like a little competition with yourself. Like, let's see what, and not all of it, but just like one part of something like this building, just the top of this round top of the building. I'm just going to draw yeah. that, the little figurine at the top, just to see what that looks mm-hmm. like and see how accurate I get, you know, just to see what, mm-hmm. that, what that looks like after 15 minutes. And then after 15 mm-hmm. minutes, it's like, oh, that's pretty good. 
let me push it some more. And by that time, the mm-hmm. lights moved. Okay, well, the lights moved, but so what? I'm going to pick a point that I like, and I'll just kind of make that shading work, even though the lights totally change. And then the, the cool mm-hmm. thing is the next day you look at it, it's like, wow, it's, you know, you see it in the morning, and it's a completely different look. Yeah. But, but having uh, that yeah. one thing and doing it simply and not making a big production out of it, Right, right. Yeah, and then if you're if you're happy with it, then you 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 ratchet it up and maybe do it a little bit fancier. Grab a shot with your iPhone or your your Android phone, and when you first start drawing, and then look at it yeah. later, and then maybe use the, ah. the, the the photo, and then build from there. You know. Oh yeah. But you look at a lot of stuff. The, the big killer is if you you sit around and you kind of ruminate too much over what to draw. Right. Then you end, right. Up, drawing, then you, then you end up drawing nothing. And right. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, do you have so like any kind of rule for yourself? Like, do you say, okay, I'm going to draw at least one thing today. I'm going to spend five minutes today sketching something. Do you do anything like that? I do. I, I get, I mean, unlike anybody else, it's like, I can't think of anything to draw. Uh, mm-hmm. So, or if I'm on a Zoom meeting, oh Lord help you, you know, <laughs> for work. I right. mean, then I'll draw because then yeah. I'm, then I'm going I'm going down the margins, and actually, I've come right, up some right. pretty good ideas just doing that. Where I'll just from my imagination, like I'll I'll draw a car, or I'll draw anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. I'll get picky about what I want to draw. It's like, oh, I don't want to mm-hmm. draw that. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of the killer no. to it then really right? yeah mm-hmm. you get too picky a lot of times if you just kind of find something and start drawing it'll lead to something else it, it's uh, yeah. yeah yeah but but i i think the biggest killer though is if you if you sit down and you have to make a big production of something mm-hmm. and you can't think of anything mm-hmm. right right because you you think okay well i'm going to spend the next three days drawing this one thing well that's just ugh. You know, if I got to draw something, for, <laughs> you know, if I got to draw something for, something for 10 minutes, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's yeah. great. So right, I think right. a lot of 10 minute drawings add up to something good. But if you're not, if you're yeah. sort of ambivalent about drawing a cat uh, mm-hmm. over three days and you're not excited about the cat, then it, it's going to look, it's going to look really <laughs> stiff and stale. Yeah. I mean, I've sat on my front porch and drawn the house across the street or down the uh-huh. street or, you know, yeah. I've done that a few times. I've drawn my lawnmower. Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah, I've drawn everything. You know, it's just, uh, it's uh, because, again, it's, it's, then I'll go back and go, oh, that's a pretty good lawnmower. Then you may want so, to spend more time doing something bigger. I'm, I'm Yeah. Presuming. Yeah. Again, it all comes down to just, thinking and drawing and mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. looking at stuff and processing it in your mind and right and, right again drawing is thinking yep yeah look up milton glazier mm-hmm. on youtube he's passed away unfortunately mm-hmm. but he was with the school of visual arts he was a, a great mm-hmm. he'd give you great inspirational lectures about drawing he talks about drawing as as his thinking and uh, I think I've seen his, some of that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was wonderful. Sure. I, I could listen to him all day. Just right, wonderful. Right. Yeah. You're getting me into that frame of mind where I'm going to, I'm going to pull out my 
So I, I have some sketchbooks and I do sketch. The difference yeah. is I'm, I'm never happy with, with my sketches and I never show them. I've never shown them. I don't think I've yeah. shown them to anybody, but that's not the point either. I, I don't, I don't do it to uh, make it something that it's going to be seen. The one I use most of the time, I was looking at it's over here by my desk, but the one I use most of the time is really tiny because uh-huh. I will sit there and I'll, try to do too much and with that one i yeah. have to narrow everything down yeah so you've got me interested again in in uh picking this back up sometimes you get busy with things and you you let it go for a week or two without sketching i try to sketch every day but i've let it go here for a little while i yeah, love it that yeah just keep a pile of old pencils around and i've got a flower pot with a variety of stuff in it and it's all ah, random yeah. just random pencils i've got this thing this brush pen i bought i'll bust that out yeah just you know um, draw stuff uh, and then gosh you know back in the day when we all went to meetings i'd sit and draw people in the meetings <laughs> i used to do that all yeah. the time get you in trouble <laughs> I, I have done that before. That's, yeah, that's uh, fun. Yeah, that's that, fun, and it uh, keeps keeps your mind occupied when things get boring and stale. Well, uh, it's, it's fun. Too. It's fun because if you're in a big meeting with like 50 people, and if you're sitting next yeah. to somebody that that knows you, and they start giggling, then you got to stop. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. That, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's just, and this is. A, you know, grocery store, 99 cent notebook that I, I I was using while we were talking, but mm-hmm. I'll draw on this because a lot of times the stuff I, I come up with in a, in a crummy pad like this gets turned into something yeah. big. Yeah. Like really yeah. big. Yeah. In fact, on my, on my website, there's a painting of a car in front of an old house and I think I doubled up and put the sketch for that there. That started from a crummy little sketch and something like this, and it became a painting. And actually, that painting ended up in a uh, show at a museum. And that painting, oh, wow. th- that pain- that painting set a record because I-, I took it to the gallery, and the painting sold. I-, I brought it in to put in the gallery, and the painting didn't even make it to the wall. It sold like right away. The guy, the guy oh. was like, he had to have it. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. This is the yeah. blue car. Is that right? It's like a it's like a pistachio. Yeah, it's like a blue. Okay, green yeah, yeah. Pontiac's yeah, yeah. a little rusty. Yeah. And you've got the sketch over here by it as well. And then yeah. you've got the, the painting next to it. That is well, that is awesome. Yeah, uh, it's um very, very cool. Yeah, that was just like an idea. And the reason I did that was because again, it was a place I passed all the time on my way to work this this beat up old house, this beat up car. Uh-huh. And I, I, for months I would go buy it and it was like, geez, you know, maybe I'll draw that. And I drew it. And maybe <laughs> I'll paint it. And then I painted it. And I've done that a few times with things that, and, it, and it's always kind of worked out where something that was just kind of a, a vague idea of something turned into mm-hmm. something good. It, it never goes yeah. bad. Nothing, I, it, it, you know, I'm never punished for for thinking, you know, it's, right, it's right. It, it, it's either good or it just doesn't matter. Oh, and the other thing is, or it doesn't matter. Erasers, yeah. 
Yeah, kneaded erasers are good too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been playing with oh, the kneaded yeah, eraser the whole time. Even yeah, yeah, just kind of because like, this is like a this is like a uh, stress ball. A stress um, ball. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, this has been so much fun, and I appreciate you sharing all your thought process behind why you sketch. And, you know, somebody, you're you're listening right now, I'm sure, maybe you're drawing and you're listening to Todd and I talking about this. Don't forget, we take all the notes for you. That's over there at the show notes page, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. You can go over there. And we've got Todd's website linked up over there, his Instagram account, and a couple of the names that he talked about as well. Todd, thanks again for coming on here. Really appreciate it. Thank you, John. This has been fun. All right. So, guys, this podcast comes out every single Monday at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Well, I guess we're in daylight saving time right now, but Eastern Time. And if you don't happen to catch the podcast on Monday and you're not finding it in your podcast player, someone asked me about this the other day. All of the shows are over there cataloged on the website, and you can go back as far as your heart delights and look at some of the embarrassing shows when I just started out, if you want to do that. I hope you don't, but some of you do like to do that kind of thing. So if you enjoy the show, consider giving a rating and or a review, and we will talk to you again next week on Monday. And until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.